0: So, this is what God told me on the plane. Are you ready? We must begin to tear down the idols in our lives that don't elevate the God we claim to serve and surrender to. Unfortunately, we live in a day where people will stand in a line knee-deep in snow for the best playoff game, but they won't come to church when it's raining. We will give up church for our children to play the next sport that they're on to that week, and will not uh, sacrifice them coming into the sanctuary with us. We will watch a 90-minute movie in solidarity with our phone on Do Not Disturb, but we cannot sit through an entire church service without checking our social media outlets or texting someone. Inside of the church, we develop preferences to worship songs and preaching styles rather than asking God where he wants us to be planted. That's where us younger folk got to look to the older folk because they do that right. Okay? I was just talking to Ron Bohannon and Linda Lake this morning. They've been at this church since 1983. 19, I wasn't even alive in 1983. <laughs> okay? I, I would like to think I was thought of in my mother's mind, but I wasn't. Okay? Because it was in 1983, and they are still here and still planted. But now it becomes a preference of what we personally like over what God desires for us. Long ago, we crossed this line in church, but there is a fine line between celebrating talent and success and idolizing it. Unfortunately for us, we celebrate talent by hiring the best of the best that can sing or play for us, which is fine. But we begin to idolize it rather than celebrate the talent within our own people. And we mark our success by a number of people in our seats, which is at times needed because it's important to spread the gospel. But when we begin to idolize our sound and our numbers over the God who is trying to work in and through us, we've missed the mark. We've shackled ourselves to idols rather than finding our freedom and our obedience to him. The enemy gives us something shiny to distract us from realizing the shackles that he has placed on us, leaving us to idolize feelings over faith perception over reality and individual truths rather than the truth. And I think that we make the mistake when we say, well, it's those people that don't come to church that have idols. It's those people that don't have a personal relationship with the Lord that Have the idols. I would beg to differ with you. I think sometimes we that are so confident in our relationship with the Lord build them higher and higher and higher because we put so much dependency on ourselves that we don't even think about what God is saying to us or what He has for us at that time. And that is quite scary to me. So that's why in 2024, we're going to begin to tear those things down in our lives, and we're going to recover the surrender that God has for us, because some of us in here, we don't know what it's like to surrender, and that's okay, because today you're going to have the opportunity. But the others of you, you have lost your surrender, because over the last four years, it's been a heck of a time. 2020 did us in, and what did it magnify? Ourselves. It magnified me and you. It magnified what we can do alone. It magnified that me and my four can stay in our house and no more and we can be fine. But that is not what God has created. God has created community. He has created us to do life together. And so we got to tear these things down so we can be surrendered to his will and what he has for us. So how do I recognize if I have an idol? What do you wake up thinking about? What do you go to sleep thinking about? I, only you can answer that. I have no idea. Okay? I know that I had some in my own life that I had to really process and go, okay. All right, Holly. This is where you're falling short. If someone said, I, can you give up your phone for the next 90 days? Can you? So, I have a personal story for you. Anybody in here done LTS before life transformation school? So Dr. Graham and Marie Cato is who uh, would lead that up, and we did that here for many years, and hopefully we'll be able to bring that back soon. Um, but we had the, Jordan and I had the privilege of going over to South Africa, where they are from, and doing LTS there, which here we do it for a week, I think, at a time. There they do it for 30 days. People take off of work for 30 days and attend this life transformation school, and it will transform your life, okay? Uh, it is worth it. And we also, while we were over there, um, did our marriage counseling. So we went over there, not married, did our marriage counseling, and did LTS and church leadership school, Um, all of which was really great for us. We didn't know exactly the fullness of what we were experiencing at the time, but now we so go back and reference those things that it's been a blessing that we didn't know we were in. And so it's time for us to start our marriage counseling. And... Jordan is meeting with Dr. Graham, and I'm meeting with Marie. Has anybody ever met with Marie in here? Okay. She'll get you. All right? And I love her. I love her so much. She's very, very, very dear to my heart, and I have often prayed, God, whatever's on her, help that get on me, because she carries an authority in the kingdom that is honorable. So I go in for my one-on-one with her um, for marriage counseling. And I'm thinking, okay, she's going to talk to me about how you do marriage and things like that, you know. And she sat me down and she said, okay, here's your scripture. And that's what she does when she does one-on-ones with people. She asks the Lord to give her scripture and then they unpack the scripture together. The scripture was in like 2 Kings something. And I was like, who even reads 2 Kings? You know, like, what is this about? And she said, we began to unpack some things and she said, You can't move forward until you deal with this idol I said what are you talking about And she said you have this idol in your life and we can't move on And you will never be able to work or submit in your marriage Until you get rid of that And I I, I literally fought with her I said I don't think that's true I don't see it And she said okay no problem She did all of her angles to try to convince me, and I just didn't see it. I really wasn't trying to be ugly, but I just didn't see it. And she said, okay, well, you go on about your business, and I'll see you tomorrow at our meeting. And I said, okay. And she said, but I'm telling you, like, your time here is going to be wasted because we cannot move on until you get get this idol out of your life. I went, okay, whatever. And so I left mad because I was like, I like I'm expecting you to come here and like tell me these amazing things about marriage counseling and basically how fantastic I am and I'm leaving with nothing and I remember I walked out of her office and in between the dorms where we were staying was a big soccer field and I got to that soccer field and I sat down and my first thought was my dad would think this was so stupid and it hit me in that moment because I idolized the man who my dad was, I could never receive the man that God was trying to give me in Jordan. And the first thing I thought about after being in a prayer session was if my dad would agree with this or not. Did, would he think it was stupid? Probably not. That was just what I thought about what he would think. And I ran back to Marie's office with tears in my eyes and said, I see it, Marie, I see it. I see what you're talking about. I have this idol in my life and I don't know how to get rid of it. What do I do? And she accepted me with open arms and she said, that's all that you have to do is say, I see it and I surrender it. Was everything perfect after that? No, my dad is a good man. He was a good man and he was worth looking up to, but he is not God. And so many times we have people in our lives that are good people that we look up to and we even say, oh, I would like to be like this person. I would like to be like that person. And those things are good and well, but when they take the place of God in your life, they become an idol real fast. And there is nobody on this planet that is Jesus. Okay? There is only one. So idols also become people, spouses, children. It's real easy to idolize your children. So maybe you're saying, okay, Holly, you've convinced me. I might have some idols that I'm willing to think about, maybe, process. And I want my goals and my plans and everything I do to be in and with the Lord. So what's next? I'm going to tell you. Surrender. 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 The word surrender means submission to a higher authority to completely give up or agree to forego being the ultimate power. A lot of times we don't like to not be the ultimate power because we like to control things. Controlling things is manipulation. Manipulation is witchcraft. Witchcraft is an idol. Surrendering to God's authority through acknowledging him in all of our ways has a transformative effect on our lives. It frees us from the burdens of self-reliance and the limitations of our own understanding. You see, we don't know everything, but you know there is a scripture in the Bible that says, give us a peace that passes all understanding because we're not going to know And so, somehow, though, we like to convince ourselves that we do. And so, we will only do things inside of our frame of understanding. But you can't surrender inside of the frame of your own understanding. When we surrender, we open ourselves up to His guidance, His wisdom, and ultimately His transformative power. Surrender in the short may hurt our ego but in the end is the only true way to freedom. However, most often than not, surrender is scary to us. It's often hard on our pride, it fights against our logic, and it hurts my feelings of uncertainty. Because can I do it? Will I make it? Is it really gonna be worth it? Is, does it really work? Can I really trust God? It hurts those feelings of uncertainty. And the scary part of surrender, you see, started long ago. It started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. You see, when Eve was tempted, the enemy didn't take away her surrender. He just twisted it. Okay, let me explain. He caused her to surrender to a created thing rather than the creator. Right, And so God was saying, you can have everything in this garden except this. And so the enemy took that shiny thing and just twisted it. She still surrendered. She just surrendered to the wrong thing. Right? So through temptation and deception, they were willing to sacrifice. Adam and Eve were willing to sacrifice themselves on a snake's altar. Because they closed their mind to the belief that God alone was worthy and good enough. How often do we do that? The enemy does the same thing with us. He doesn't take away our surrender. He just twists it. So that we don't even recognize we're off course until God is asking us where we are or why we're hiding like he did with Adam and Eve.